Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Good morning, Erickson Covenant Church. Uh, Really, really nice to be with you. If we've not met personally, my name is Rob Peterson. I am a covenant pastor of many years. I'm also a colleague of Pastor Tom. Um, But I I work for the Canada Covenant. I am the associate superintendent. And in that role, I oversee uh, what you could call uh, covenant clergy services. Uh, that, that means just providing resources of care and um, of teaching, uh, anything to help pastors do what they do better. And then in addition to that, I, I sometimes preach in churches. I also work with leadership teams and I do retreats. Um, and a, a bit of writing for the Canada Covenant. But it's really great for me to, to be with you. So um, I look forward to, to my time and trust that what God has put in my heart will speak to your heart today. I think everybody loves a good story. I have actually had a friend who more than once would say, hey, Rob, tell me a good story. And so I'd, I would launch into a story, um, maybe a story like this. Several years ago, I, I traveled from Saskatoon to Norquay, Saskatchewan for the Canada Covenant Annual General Meeting. I had my wife with me in the front seat, my mother in the back seat, and a good friend of hers. We were traveling. And about halfway, we, uh, I got pulled over by the police in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, in downtown Humboldt, and I was given a speeding ticket. I wasn't going that much over the speed limit, but I got a ticket. So a couple of weeks later, I'm back in Saskatoon, and I read in the paper, the Star, the Star, um, I think the Star Phoenix of Saskatoon, I read about a police officer who had for several years been uh, pulling people over in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, and asking them to pay their speeding ticket in cash. And he had been taking a part of that cash and putting it in his own pocket and then submitting some of the cash to his uh, detachment. He was arrested and found guilty um, and obviously stopped being a RCP officer. So I'm thinking, oh, that's not fair. He pulled me over. And essentially it was a speed trap. To, uh, to make money for himself. So I, rather than pay my ticket, I thought I'm going to go see what the judge has to say. So I, I went on, on my uh, appointed court date. The judge asked me to come forward and she asked me my story. I said, I'm, I got a spe- speeding ticket in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. I'm sure you're aware of the story about the police officer. And then I said this, I'm just kind of wondering if there's any grace or forgiveness in the court system. And she looked at me and she laughed. And then she said, what do you think this is? A church? 
course, I didn't have the nerve to tell her that I was a covenant pastor, but she did reduce my speeding ticket by 50%, so it was worth my time. So we all love, we all love good stories. I love a good story. And in fact, all of us, we live by stories. Maybe you're the eldest child and you live by the hyper-responsible story. Or maybe you're an artist and you live by the creative story, a free-flowing way of being in the world. And then there's stories that are kind of inside of us, stories like the perfectionist story, needing to do everything perfectly in order to feel good about ourselves, or the people-pleasing story. Or maybe it's the story, if I work hard enough, if I really apply myself, I can get ahead of the curve and I can have a great retirement and everything is going to be fine as long as I am responsible. Or maybe you have the story of pain is bad and at all costs you will avoid any situation or potential of pain, which can keep you from enjoying a lot of life. But So there's all of these stories we live by. I've come to believe that there's these stories of us, our, our lives, really are connected to a deeper story. And that story is that life and hope and goodness is just out of reach. It's just into the future. And if we live right, we do what we think we should be doing, we can sort of guarantee that our life would be... Um, would go well, which of course you know is not true. But that's, I think, a lot of our stories. We live by all kinds of narratives. Now, the wisdom of the church is that once a year, they, uh, the church, decided, let's remember one of the stories, the critical story of the Christian life. And so Advent is this wise gift of the church to us that invites us to remember God's coming to people. Advent is entering into the waiting and the longing of what God was doing and going to do as God came to people in their particular dilemmas. Keeping Advent is a wise practice of remembering the fundamental dilemma of God's people, which was they found themselves in darkness. And keeping Advent is also remembering the amazing, glorious response of God to people's dilemma in coming. Some of the New Testament and, and, and scriptures of the Old Testament speak about God's coming as light, that the light came into the darkness and there is no way the darkness could have a chance against the light of God coming into the world. So the love of God, in the context of remembering the Advent stories, is a reflection on how God came. It's waiting. It's remembering. It's entering into, again, the longing that we have, which was the same longing that God's people have always had, that God would come and bring us help to bring us hope, to bring us light. And so, Erickson Covenant, I'm glad you're participating in this unfolding story again of Advent and what it might mean for us. So what I want to do is keep this story theme, and I want to look at two stories this morning. 
the story of the birth of Christ in Matthew 1, and the story of Ahaz in Isaiah 7. They're both connected, and I want to, I want to share these stories, and I, I want to see if we can hear the invitation, the connection for us today in our story. So the first story is the story out of Matthew 1. It's an incredible story. Let me uh, read a part, a, part of, a part of the text. You've heard these words before. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So right away in the story, we have a challenge, a complexity. Mary and Joseph excited to get married. They're engaged to be married, which is much more serious in their culture than it is today. But, but they're, they're excited about this. And then the twist of the story, the problem, the dilemma. Is Mary, before the consummation she has with Joseph, is found to be pregnant? And in Joseph's culture, that was an event unimaginable in, in that culture. Maybe not today. But in that culture, Joseph, to keep his own respect and not to bring shame upon his own family felt he only had one choice, and that was to dismiss Mary, to divorce her. He chooses to do it quietly, but nonetheless, he chooses to end the, uh, the engagement. But after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. So into this story of complexity and hardship, God by angel comes and says, don't do what you're thinking to do. Trust that what is going on for Mary is of God. And he's confronted with a choice. Does he trust the angel's invitation to proceed? Or does he trust his own culture, his own tradition? And then into this story is inserted a second story. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I'm going to go to that story in one second. But Joseph hears this, this, this language, invitation to proceed. And Matthew, as he's thinking about this story, the writer of this gospel story, says, that reminds me, the Ahaz story. And the Ahaz story has a sign about a young woman who's going to get pregnant. And so he inserts this right in the middle of this story. But you know that Joseph... In hearing the angel message, when, the, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph follows the command of the angel. 
But let's go back to the Ahaz story. So Isaiah 7 contains this story about a king, the king of Judah. At this time in the history of God's people, and I'm not, I'm not going to bore you with all these details, but it, it's an incredible story. Ahaz is in the southern kingdom. It's divided. Israel's in the north. Judah's in the south. And it's at a time when Assyria is growing as this geopolitical power. And rumor is, is that Assyria is going to come and wipe out God's people. So Ahaz, the king, this is in Isaiah 7. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remelia, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So what's going on in the story of Isaiah 7 is Ahaz, king of the southern kingdom, is feeling pressure to make an alliance with Judah and Syria to fight the Assyrians. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't trust Israel. He doesn't trust Syria. In his mind, he is thinking that he's going to put his trust behind the, uh, the ruler of Assyria. And so Isaiah comes along and has a word of God for King Ahaz. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied himself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. In other words, they're afraid. The armies are coming to Jerusalem. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct. Say to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because these two smoldering stubs of firewood, great language, these two nations, Israel and Syria, don't be afraid of them. They have plotted your ruin, but don't worry about it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says now to King Ahaz. It will not take place. It will not happen. And then the text goes on to, and, and Isaiah <coughs> Uh, gives gives more encouragement to Ahaz not not to lose heart. Uh, and this, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. The word Isaiah has for Ahaz is trust that God will provide for you, King Ahaz. And then it goes on, verse ten, Isaiah seven. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But I have. But Ahaz says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to test the Lord. Some, some scholars think that he, he, he's really not worried about testing the Lord as he is afraid of having his way and his plan changed. But anyways, then Isaiah said to Ahaz, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And the story then goes on. So this is, this is the text. This is the story that gets inserted by Matthew into the Jesus birth story. And really what we know of the Ahaz story, and you can read it on your own this week, is Ahaz is given this sign. Look, there's going to be a young woman who is marriageable age, she has not 
had a sexual intercourse. She's a virgin. She's going to give a birth. And by the time this child is three or four years old, these two nations that you're worried about, King Ahaz, they're going to be nothing. So don't worry about them. So the sign of the child is really a sign that God is speaking a word of courage to Ahaz to stay the course and have God be his primary help and support in times of trouble. But Ahaz doesn't. Ahaz makes a pact with the ruler of Assyria. And in a matter of a year or so, Assyria is destroying the countryside. So the Ahaz story is the, is the story of who are you going to trust? What story are you going to live by? Are you going to live by the fear story? The anxiety story? The uncertainty story of your context? Are you going to live by the story of your own ingenuity? Your own thoughts? Or are you going to live according to the sign that God gives you that God is faithful and trustworthy to help you? That's the Ahaz story. And so if we go back to the Jesus birth story, Joseph is like this counter example to Ahaz. Ahaz is not going to trust the course of his life to God. But what is Joseph going to do? Well, we know what Joseph does. He listens to the angel story. He listens to this word of God. Do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary because the Holy Spirit is at work. And Joseph trusts. He does not divorce Mary. He takes her into his life, into his home. And as a result of that, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who is going to save the world from their sins, is born. And the name that is given to him is the name Jesus. And, but Matthew adds, oh, and this will be a sign. <laughs> There's going to be another virgin who is going to give birth to a child because this is what God does. God gives signs to God's people at particular moments to help them remember who God is. And one of the names of God is Emmanuel. Jesus coming to earth as Emmanuel. I love these two stories. And I wonder just briefly now with you this morning, what's the connection between these two stories and our story in our life today? God coming into the dilemmas of Israel during the time of Ahaz, and God coming into the dilemmas of the first century Palestine, Mary and Joseph's world was hard. Herod, the ruler on behalf of Caesar of Rome, made existence for first century Palestinians incredibly, incredibly hard. They were waiting for God to do something. And so God does come into their setting. And I think God's coming is a clear and compelling witness that God is mindful and aware of the predicaments and the challenges that God's people face. That the coming of God in Christ in the birth story in Matthew 1 is a story of the compassionate understanding, loving heart, and character of God. 
that when God's people face incredible odds and hardship, God comes. It's a form of love. The coming of Christ to the world through Mary and Joseph is a sign of incredible love of a God who is particularly interested in what's happening in the world and to God's people. The good news of this story is that the movement of the Christmas story, the movement, what is moving, is that God is moving toward God's people. God is moving toward us. The good news of the Christmas story, the Emmanuel God, is that all of us who are caught ourselves in complexity, in challenges, in hardship, certainly not like first century Palestine, but nonetheless, the challenges that we find ourselves in, the good news is that God is always coming. The movement is God from God's space to our space. That's the good news. The pandemic that we've been living in has set us back in so many different ways as a church and as families and in individuals. But, but the COVID pandemic is not the only pandemic we find ourselves in, I think. I think we find ourselves in the pandemic of polarization. I think there's a pandemic of, of uh, raging opinions about all kinds of things. There's the pandemic of rage itself. There's the pandemic of deconstructing so many things, of, 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 of God's people struggling now in a way that maybe they've never struggled with, with authority, with institutions. It's happening all around us. We are in a challenging, challenging time, I think. Some might say the, the, one of the biggest storms we faced in the last 30 years as a church is unfolding while we live. And I'm not sure how, how the pandemic or these other pandemics have impacted Erickson Covenant Church or they've impacted your family. But I know firsthand sitting with covenant pastors across the Canada Covenant that there are many, many stories of hardship, of people leaving of people saying things they would never normally say. But there's something in the air, in the culture, that is giving rise to division, to hardship, to indifference. And so Advent, keeping Advent, is to ask, how is God coming to us in this moment in our history? If there ever was a time when we need God to come again, as God came to Ahaz, as God came to Mary and Joseph, I would say we need God's coming. Not only as churches, but personally. And the good news again is that for you and for me is that God comes. He has a sign. Maybe this sermon this morning on this topic is a sign for you. Maybe there was a song this morning, or maybe there's a text as a sign, a word of God said, look, I know where you are. I know your story. I know the stories that you're living by. I know the good. I know the hard. And I am Emmanuel. I am here in love to walk with you 
and to be with you. The birth story of Jesus, our Lord, is good news of great joy, as the text says. God's love has come. God is not indifferent. God comes to ask us, will you trust me one more time? God comes to ask, do you hear my voice? Do you know that I am with you? Ahaz said, no thanks, God. I'll figure it out on my own. Joseph, on the other hand, said yes. Yes to God. So I wonder, what would it look like for us just to take a moment now and to pray and to hold whatever it is in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your family, in your city, whatever challenge, whatever hardship is, is just to hold that in quiet prayer now and ask the Lord to come. Ask Emmanuel to come and be with you and to give you a sign, a sign of his presence, a sign, a word, a story. Would you join me in silent prayer as we ask for us to be aware? We ask God to help us be aware of how he's with us. Let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, I pray that you would hear us as we open up our hearts in silent prayer for just a moment this morning. Amen. Earlier this year, I lost my sister. She passed away in San Francisco. And I share that not to end my sermon on a really, really serious note. I share that just to say that over the course of the last several months, God has been so faithful to my family. God has been so faithful to me. There have been times when I've been driving and a, and a song will come to mind. And it's, it's, it's like a sign, a sign that, that God knows my heart. He hears my grief. There's times when I'm reading something and I'll think of, I'll think of my sister. All of these are ways that I've personally experienced 
God coming to me in a season of grief. And so I hope as you make your way into your week, Erickson Covenant Church, that you will remember the Advent story of God's love that comes to us. Emmanuel, which means God with us, wherever we are. May you know the hope-filled, gracious, loving presence of our living God, whatever is happening in your story these days. Grace and peace to you. Thank you for for listening today. And uh, may you know much hope and much joy this Advent. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.